rare. Chapter 67 Infused Power Shot The newly gained infused power shot shot the arrow at an unprecedented speed, hitting the Alpha Venom Fang Badger right in its midsection. The powerful attack forced straight through the beast's body and exited out the other side, piercing any vital organ in the way. Jake was overjoyed at his method working and wanted to read through the notification with the upgraded skill, but was quickly brought back to reality by the Alpha's mad roar. It charged toward him with reckless abandon. He quickly realized the gravity of the situation and was forced to jump to the side to avoid its wild charge. Although his bow had broken upon releasing the arrow, his sword was still hanging from the beast's chin, as it seemed to have gotten stuck on something. His other bow had been thrown who knows where after the mad rampage of the creature. But he did have one major thing going for him in the big hole torn straight through the creature, coupled with the wounds left behind by a few arrows and the piece of flesh it had torn off itself. Instead of the bleeding stopping from these wounds, it had now started again, the hematoxin doing its work. The beast was also no longer as bright as before. The infused power shot seemed to have thoroughly enraged it, making it thrash around uncontrollably. However, the large movements only served to worsen its wounds. A problem for Jake, though, was his inability to capitalize on the situation further. He had neither a bow nor a sword, and trying to stab it with arrows or his dagger in melee didn't seem like a good idea either. So he went with perhaps the most boring approach and kited it around, letting blood loss do the job for him. After running around for a few minutes, he finally found his bow after it appeared in his sphere. With it in hand, he could continue to land pot shots on the beast whenever an opportunity presented itself. These arrows were the ones soaked with necrotic poison, making them all the more deadly. In an attempt to take less damage, the beast ended up taking more by ripping out all the poisoned arrows shortly after they struck. Huge chunks of flesh were torn out, but the Alpha could not regenerate, as every last shred of vitality was spent trying not to succumb to blood loss. The badger started getting slower as pools of blood soaked into the already moist soil. Its screeches grew less intense as it got weaker and weaker. This naturally only made it easier for Jake to do more and more damage to the beast, making the conclusion of their fight inevitable. Finally, the beast fell on the ground after Jake landed an arrow on one of its legs. It still tried to crawl forward, but with it barely moving, he safely finished it off by finally landing an arrow in its eyes, penetrating into the skull. With a breath of relief, he looked at the dead beast. It had been the strongest enemy he had ever faced, by far. The fight had given him a feeling he had missed for a long time. Everything had been too easy after he exited the challenge dungeon. He didn't count the ambush by Richard, as that wasn't a fight, but rather a one-sided attack, a battle he didn't even want to have based on false pretenses. That time had only been about escaping. He hadn't been in the right headspace, but if it ever happened again, no, he would never allow himself to be so stupid as to land in such a situation a second time, and if he was, he just wanted to be strong enough to dominate the opposition. To do that, Jake needed to challenge himself and improve, but every other fight had just been too simple. Jake had barely taken damage in most of them, and both his stamina and mana rarely took a hit. A few good fights had been here and there, but nothing to really stoke his desire for a real challenge. But now, he had finally gotten one. 
It was a satisfying feeling, to be sure. Looking at his notifications, he'd gotten a level, but what he instead focused on was his surprise at the Badger level. You have slain Alpha Venom Fang Badger, level 71. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level, 102,000 TP earned. Ding! Class Ambitious Hunter has reached level 40. Stat points allocated, plus 4 free points. Only 71, he thought, as he double-checked. That seemed way too low. Several badgers had been in their sixties, and yet had been so much weaker. He trusted the instincts that told him the beast hadn't evolved to D-grade, but was still E-grade like him. Then again, it did kind of make sense. The race of the beast was different, a variant. Just as he could have gotten a worse class or profession, one could perhaps also get worse races. Or maybe only beasts could, as Jake was unsure if humans could somehow evolve into something not human. He couldn't help but remember the malefic viper. He had once been a snake, a beast of some sort, but he had transformed to become a dragon, and even now he had the form of a scaled, very human-looking man. Several considerable changes to his race had appeared through that line of evolution, though always keeping the reptilian theme. For him to have had several variant races throughout that journey could only be expected. Perhaps these badgers were the same. Variants appeared among them, providing better stats and skills. It would certainly explain why a level gap of only ten or so between badgers could mean so much. He was sure to get an explanation in the future. For now, however, he had plenty of things to do. The first thing he did was retrieve his sword from the mouth of the beast. It took quite a bit of work to get it free, as it had been stuck between two teeth, and the creature had only made it worse as it tried to get it out, pressing it down into the flesh. Painful, to say the least. Luckily, the blade itself was fine. Jake had feared that it would be damaged, and as it didn't possess the repair enchantment, he would have no way of fixing it. Next, he looked back at the notifications list and saw the new and improved infused power shot. Infused power shot, rare. Stamina as fuel, mana as a guide. Unlike a normal power shot, the infused power shot does not require a long charging time and can be charged in a brief moment. The higher the magnitude of the charge, the greater the stamina and mana expenditure. Charging infused power shot may empower the skill further, adds a small bonus to the effect of agility, strength, and intelligence when using infused power shot. He was thrilled that the system had recognized his attempt and given him a new skill. He could feel the system helping him there toward the end, though it was only slightly. Honestly, he'd done most of it on a whim, somehow applying techniques he mainly used when doing alchemy. As for the new skill, it was quite an improvement. It had been improved from uncommon to rare rarity, and the charging time had been nearly removed. The scaling of the skill also now included intelligence, making Jake happy to finally use the stat. Well, he did have touch of the malefic viper, but that skill required him to touch his opponent, making it quite hard to use against opponents like the Alpha that could rip him apart in melee. His alchemist of the Malefic Viper provided him two intelligence per level, while he also got two for every race level up, giving him a total of 150 intelligence currently. It was his lowest stat by quite a bit, but he was happy that it finally had some use at least. Then again, he had to admit that the stat likely brought benefits he was unaware of, it was one of the big three mental stats, the others being wisdom and willpower, so it had to do something. 
Willpower, as an example, increased his mana regeneration, while his wisdom, of course, increased his maximum mana. If he had to guess, intelligence maybe had something to do with the potency of mana? Nevertheless, it felt good to finally have the stat mentioned as providing bonuses to a skill. Infused Power Shot was also far more powerful than the old Power Shot, or at least the potential for it to be powerful was higher. Power Shot relied solely on his stamina, along with his physical body's ability to withstand the pent-up energy until he released it all in an explosion of might. This new version used both mana and stamina. Now the weapon was covered alongside Jake's body, making that also matter far more. The limiter on the amount of charged mana was the weapon used, and Jake's ability to control the mana and stamina's equilibrium. As an equilibrium was required, his limit of charged-up stamina was actually the same, as he had to use a corresponding amount of mana as stamina. The damage inflicted by overcharging the skill was also unchanged, though now it also risked breaking the weapon. The skill's power was determined by the amount of mana and stamina combined, naturally making the skill far stronger. Though it wasn't a simple addition, doubling the power. A fast shot without any charging time wasn't as strong as Jake's prior fully charged power shots. He also sensed that it wasn't as though he couldn't do a power shot like before, relying purely on stamina. He couldn't imagine many scenarios where he would do that, but he could. As for the final part of the skill, this was where the system took entirely over and helped him. The release of the skill was entirely the system's doing, while Jake had only willed the way it was supposed to happen. How it managed to release the energy into the attack so perfectly was way, way above his pay grade. If it works, it works, I guess, Jake thought, as he shrugged mentally. The system was a bit weird in many areas. Skills could clearly be unlocked or upgraded according to the user's actions, but he had yet to see any new skills being gained straight out. The option would just appear the next time you acquired the opportunity to unlock another skill, which, coincidentally, was now very relevant as he had just hit level 40. Ambitious Hunter-class skills available. With no reason to delay, he accepted the prompt to unlock a new skill. The long list of selections appeared before him. The usual suspects were still there, with all the weapon skills still clogging up the beginning, followed by all the skills he had passed over while still a regular archer. At 30, he had considered Hunter's tracking and Hunter's trapping expertise quite a bit, but had ultimately passed them in favor of splitting Arrow, a decision he didn't regret. He could see many situations where they would be useful, but he just didn't really feel like they appealed to him yet. Perhaps next time, he told himself, knowing full well that another, more attractive option would likely also present itself next time. The exciting part of the skills was always the newcomers, after all. This time there were a few, though the first one was not really that exciting. Infused Strike, common. Sometimes there is strength in simplicity. Charge a melee weapon with mana, striking for additional damage. Adds a minor bonus to the effect of intelligence and strength when using Infused Strike. This skill was just... yeah. Perhaps it could be useful, but Jake doubted it would be anywhere close to as useful as many of his other options. Besides, melee wasn't his first choice to begin with. While he saw himself as somewhat competent at it, the goal was ultimately just to find an opportunity to create some distance and return to using his bow. The creation of the additional skill option also helped confirm the precedent that he would more or less directly create these new options. He was pretty damn sure that Infused Strike came as a result of Infused Power Shot. Of course, 
He was sure there were more complicated reasons behind the system's way of unlocking skills. He naturally wasn't going to go with infused stripe. The next skill option also made it a lot easier to rule it out. Determination of the Ambitious Hunter, rare. The Ambitious Hunter is not one to back down even in front of the most frightening foe. The mind of fortress, the hunter determined. Increases resistance to all mental and illusion-based attacks. Increases resistance to suppressive effects. Adds a small bonus to the effect of determination of the Ambitious Hunter based on willpower. A passive defensive skill. A rare one at that. The effect seemed okay, though not necessarily that useful for Jake's current situation. He hadn't met much in the vein of mind manipulation yet, but the thought of it scared him to death. The mind was a complicated thing, and Jake didn't like the idea of it being manipulated in the slightest. Imagining someone controlling him without even being aware of it was just downright chilling. To be a willing puppet just because of some fucked-up skill. Most mental magic was not like that, though, he hoped. Thinking back, perhaps the mole-rat's screechers and even the Alpha had used some sort of mental attack with their screeches. The attacks were not merely physical, but had energy mixed in, momentarily jolting his mind and throwing his senses for a loop. Of course, he had been fine due to his bloodline abilities, making him not rely on his usual senses. But it had still been a harrowing experience, and the feeling of vertigo was far from pleasant. The skill also provided resistance against illusions and suppressive effects. Both were also things Jake hadn't really encountered as far as he knew. Quite honestly, he wasn't much into the skill. While he believed it would be instrumental during certain situations, for now he needed something to make him stronger immediately. The reason for that was quite simple. The dungeon wasn't done yet. He still had the objective of defeating the Den Mother. While he had slain an Alpha, the beast hadn't been the big baddie. The Den Mother was likely a beast even stronger than the Alpha, so he needed something to help him in the fight against it. Something like the final skill. Mark of the Ambitious Hunter, rare. The prey is chosen, the hunt begins. Covertly mark a target, making you aware of their position at all times until the mark expires or is dispelled. All damage done to the marked target is increased. Additional bonus experience earned for slaying a marked target above your level. Adds a small bonus to the damage inflicted the mark's duration, and the mark's subtlety based on perception. The first part of the skill that allowed him to know his prey's position was kind of irrelevant to him currently. He had yet to meet a beast that would run away or abandon a fight, forcing him to hunt after it. However, he could see it being useful if he ever did clash with an enemy who made a retreat, such as if he had been able to mark William back then. No, the reason why he wanted this skill was due to the damage-increasing effect. This was also his first time seeing a skill that said it straight up increased damage done. It was always an increase effect of stat or something like that. The skill scratched both his itches, the itch to earn more power and the itch to explore the system's intricacies. It even had that final bonus experience earned for killing foes above his level to top it off. Such a bonus already existed for everyone based on the kill notifications, but he assumed this one would only increase that bonus. This effect likely came from the ambitious part of the skill name, as it seemed pretty in line with his class's theme. Of course, this effect was also a first to see on a skill. He didn't have much to think about as he accepted the skill and felt the information flood his brain. After a few moments, he knew exactly how to use the skill, just like the others. Turning toward the cavern's exit, 
He walked past the Alpha and gave it one last nod of approval. A bit of excitement started building in his chest. The fight with the Den Mother was sure to be even more exhilarating. Chapter 68 Dungeon Equals Alchemy By now it was officially confirmed. The system loved long, annoying, pointless tunnels that forced you to walk for way longer than was reasonable. He had been walking for thirty minutes by now. The light behind him was no longer visible, and he didn't see anything in front of him either. It was subtle, but the tunnel curved slightly, making it quite natural that he couldn't see either end. The big cavern where he had fought the Alpha had been relatively well lit by crystals covering the ceiling, but for some reason the system hadn't bothered lighting the tunnels in any way. Then again, the tunnels were made to look like the badgers had dug them out, or maybe they actually had been dug out by them. Jake seriously doubted that, with the rest of the dungeon being so obviously pre-designed, but who knew? Luckily, though, Jake had his own source of light. His alchemical flame, while a transparent flame, did give off quite a bit of light. He didn't need the light for knowing where to go, since he had his sphere, but because of what he was doing as he walked. A book was in one of his hands, illuminated by the flickering flame. The title read, Blood and Poison, Intermediate Hematoxins One. Not exactly a bestseller, but Jake still found it incredibly interesting. While the hematoxic poisons had proved very useful against the Alpha, he still found it lacking, which was why he had decided to create a better version for his fight with the Den Mother. The dungeon didn't have any time limit, so he saw no reason to rush through it recklessly. Then again, he wasn't going to dally around for no reason. Leveling his alchemy was, in Jake's opinion, just as important as his class, and crafting the hemotoxic poison was yet another worthwhile challenge. He was also getting close to his next skill from his profession, and he had a feeling the next one was going to be juicy. Life and death battles weren't necessary to scratch his competitive itch and his instinct to challenge himself. The complex concoction techniques and high requirements for precise mana control also did that. So far, Jake had only ever created two poisons above inferior rarity. One was his necrotic poison, while the other was the rare amalgamation he had used to pass the challenge dungeon. He could make the necrotic poison mainly due to his palate of the malefic viper, combined with him eating far more blue mushrooms than he would ever admit to. As eating them gave insight into their nature, he'd quickly gotten extremely familiar with them, and even with that, it had still taken him quite a while before he crafted his first one. The amalgamation of poison couldn't really be considered a proper concoction. It had been unstable and would lose its effectiveness within a short time after being crafted, and even then, the effects were questionable at best. On top of that, Jake had used ten rare mushrooms for that one creation, not exactly being frugal with his ingredient spending. Needless to say, it wasn't a feat he could easily replicate, which left him with his current challenge of making the hematoxin he was currently aiming for. He already had the ingredients for it stored in his necklace. He had gotten used to the spatial storage by now, but occasionally he was reminded of how impressive it actually was. The herbs stayed fresh within the necklace, just like they had in the garden found in the challenge dungeon. It was like walking around with a portable greenhouse frozen in temporal suspension. Within that metaphorical greenhouse, he had also located the plant he intended to use. Bloodthorn stalk, common, a relatively common herb found in areas with an abundance of vitality-based creatures, 
It has a sweet smell, often attracting unwitting animals. A significant amount of tainted vital energy is found within, agitating the blood of any living entity it touches. This stalk was, as the description said, not very rare. It grew by absorbing the blood of living beings who touched it. This was mainly done to animals thinking it was a beneficial herb and then attempting to eat it, only for the stalk to stay firmly rooted in the ground, scratching the inside of the beast's mouth and absorbing its blood. The ground below these plants was often red, making many believe that the herb grew in blood-soaked soil. However, it was later discovered that the earth became red due to the bloodthorn stalk concentrating the vital energy into it to attract even more prey. It was quite the insidious plant that had killed and maimed countless living things. Jake had even noticed the stalk starting to turn a bit withered moments after taking them out, forcing him to make a quick run back and pick up a few badger corpses to feed the poor murder stalks. When he was back there, he also considered if he could use anything from the beast's corpses to make any poisons. Sadly, his sense of the malefic viper made it clear that their venom stopped working after their deaths. If Jake had to guess, it was due to the lack of internal energy. So he just had to use their corpses to feed the stalks. On an important side note, they actually tasted pretty good. The herb had a lovely smell with a lot of liquid within. The thorns were peeled off before he started his feasting, of course. He ate plenty of them, familiarizing himself with the herb before he would begin his practice. Interestingly enough, the stalks didn't restore any mana when he ate them, but instead released a tiny amount of vital energy. Thinking back, he hadn't really eaten anything worthwhile for a very long time. It wasn't that he no longer needed sustenance, but that he managed to keep himself fed only through herbs. He had a habit of eating a few of those he found as he roamed about. Wait, am I a vegan now? He suddenly thought randomly. Well, a pretty shitty vegan, considering that he killed beasts all the time. But hey, he didn't eat them. Though he really should. Honestly, one could only blame the badgers for not looking appetizing. As his thoughts wandered far from the book in his hand, he finally saw the other end of the long tunnel with his sphere. Picking up the pace slightly, he found himself in another cavern, about the same size as before. Scanning the cave with his gaze, he saw that there were far fewer badgers, only five in total. The problem was the kind of badgers, however. Four of them were the same big badger with the weird spiky hair. Alpha Venom Fang Badger, level unknown. The only thing that soothed him slightly was the fact that they were all spread out. They all seemed to be very territorial, only staying within their designated area. At the end of the room was a hill with yet another badger lying upon it. This one was quite different from any of the others. It didn't have any spikes, but its hairs all seemed fine and smooth. It had white lines running across its sides in intricate patterns, looking quite beautiful, really. Its size was slightly larger than the Alpha's, but more importantly, it gave off a feeling that made Jake instantly aware that this beast was the real leader of this pact. Den Mother, level unknown. The beast was clearly stronger, but still not evolved yet. It was a great relief, as he had feared the creature to have been degrade, something he had absolutely no confidence in facing. All of the Alphas also felt only slightly stronger than the one he'd already killed. It was very slight, but it was there. Had he been thrown out of the main cavern or something? Jake wondered. It was imperative to figure out the intricate lore of the Badger Cave, after all. He had taken down one Alpha, 
and he had confidence in doing so with these ones. Sure, they were a bit stronger, but he had also gained quite a lot of power. No, the problem was his current state. Ripped robe, punctured bracers, and all resources relatively low. His first order of business was to get that in order, with the second being practicing his alchemy and killing the alphas. He knew it wasn't a one-day project to finish the hematoxin poison, so he decided to switch between alchemy and fighting, ticking off the badgers one by one. If all went well, his poison should be ready for his clash with the den mother. With no reason to sit around, he got to work on restoring his equipment and finishing his preparations for his first crafting attempt. He read the recipes, ate the herbs, and fixed his things over the next couple of hours. With everything ready, he got started on the arduous process of crafting an entirely new poison. The differences between inferior rarity and common rarity weren't huge, but they were far from insignificant. The complexity required in the control of mana and the handling of the ingredients was at another level. Purified water, aged green moss, bloodthorn stalk, as well as a good whiff of his own blood, empowered with blood of the malefic viper, and he was good to go. The first part went as expected. He extracted the energy from the moss and integrated it with the water and his blood. This part was the same as with necrotic poisons, making him experienced in it already, hence finishing that part without any issues. Next, he started applying the sweet nectar found within the bloodthorn stalks. You didn't need the stalk itself, but only the juices found within. The highly concentrated liquid entered the mixing bowl with nothing unexpected happening. The juices and the rest of the mix acted like magnets with the same poles, pushing the other party away. But of course, Jake needed them to mix. And not just mix, but merge and bring out synergistic effects. As he tried nudging them closer together, the small barrier that separated them unexpectedly broke apart, and the energies smashed together before Jake could even react. The entire concoction seemed to erupt as all the liquid flew into the air, splashing all over his clothes. He managed to close his eyes and avoid getting anything into them, but his newly restored cloak wasn't so lucky. The acidic properties of his blood still lingered in the brew, making his cloak once more full of holes since small patches of it had eroded. That went well, Jake thought to himself, as he started restoring his cloak once more. He also had his skin hit, but his resistance and high toughness left him with nothing more than a few red marks. What Jake had just experienced was a great example of why alchemists specializing in toxins had high vitality and toughness. The mixing process was far more dangerous than a regular potion, and even if the same thing had happened during the brewing of one, the eruption would only have left Jake covered in harmless liquids. Of course, this was discounting that many alchemists who made poisons had to sometimes test and experiment with their toxins, and the best way to learn of the effect of poison was to experience it yourself. Jake hadn't done this yet, but then again he hadn't really made that many different sorts of toxins, and his one original creation had nearly killed him. After his initial failure, he made a few more attempts, finding little but steady progress. No level was awarded for his efforts, still putting him at forty-seven, but he wasn't discouraged. He drank one final health potion, topping up his health, as he entered meditation to restore his stamina and mana. Those two were relatively easy to restore. Mana continually regenerated, while stamina was restored whenever he meditated or slept. Health was another story. It did regenerate naturally, but at a rate far slower than the other two. 
he had lost quite a bit of health against the Alpha Venom Fang Badger, and if he wanted to have that regenerate naturally, it would likely take days. He doubted even a week would be able to fill it. Which was why he used health potions to top it off. Without those, his progress would be far slower, since he would be forced to take breaks that were far too long. This was also the reason why healers were so essential to have when leveling. Exiting meditation a few hours later, he checked his status menu and put all his freed points into perception. He had already done that with quite a lot of them before he had gotten Mark of the Ambitious Hunter, but now that he had that, it only confirmed his choice. Looking over the status, he was very satisfied. Status. Name, Jake Thane. Race, Human, E, Level 43. Class, Ambitious Hunter, Level 40. Profession, Prodigious Alchemist of the Malefic Viper, Level 47. Health Points, HP, 3540 of 3540. Mana Points, MP, 3427 of 4210. Stamina, 1501 of 1890. Stats. Strength, 231. Agility, 284. Endurance, 189. Vitality, 354. Toughness, 190. Wisdom, 421. Intelligence, 150. Perception, 493. Willpower, 224. Three points, zero. Titles. Forerunner of the New World, Bloodline Patriarch, Older of a Primordial's True Blessing, Dungeoneer 1, Dungeon Pioneer 1. Class Skills. Basic One-Handed Weapons, Inferior, Basic Stealth, Inferior, Advanced Archery, Common, Hunter's Sight, Uncommon, Basic Twin Fang Style, Uncommon, Basic Shadow Vault of Umbra, Uncommon, Splitting Arrow, Uncommon, Big Game Hunter, Rare, Infused Power Shot, Rare, Mark of the Ambitious Hunter, Rare, Profession Skills, Herbology, Common, Brew Potion, Common, Concoct Poison, Common, Alchemist's Purification, Common, Alchemical Flame, Common, Toxicology, Uncommon, Cultivate Toxin, Uncommon, Malefic Viper's Poison, Rare, Palette of the Malefic Viper, Rare, Touch of the Malefic Viper, Rare, Sense of the Malefic Viper, Rare, Blood of the Malefic Viper, Epic, Blessing, True Blessing of the Malefic Viper, Blessing, True, Race Skills, Endless Tongues of the Myriad Races, Unique, Identify, Common, Meditate, Common, Shroud of the Primordial, Divine, Bloodline, Bloodline of the Primal Hunter, Bloodline Ability, Unique. The most significant growth was in his perception. He had gained nearly 150 points since he'd entered the dungeon with all the levels and his investment to free points. In reality, he had only invested 120 points or so, but the 25% bonus from his bloodline and title resulted in quite the increase. And he could feel the increase. It was in minor things. When he focused on an object, for example, he could more easily make out small details, and when he focused on his hearing, he could hear even the smallest thing. It wasn't like perception just straight up boosted one's senses, as it would be horrendously annoying if you had to listen to the sound of your own heart constantly. He had to focus on it, which meant that it didn't help as much if he was distracted. Where he could easily see the growth was with his sphere. With every point invested, it slightly increased in its area of effect and clarity. It wasn't by much, but it was there. As for his danger sense and other things related to his bloodline, he had no idea if they even interacted with the stat to begin with. Then again, his bloodline was an intrinsic part of him. Would he even notice if they improved? Or would it just feel utterly natural to him?
In a sense, it was natural. Closing his status menu once more, he briefly considered checking the tutorial panel, but decided against it. Distractions would do him no good. In this dungeon, it was just him and a bunch of overgrown badgers. The rest of the survivors be damned. He identified the first prey, taking out his bow and preparing an arrow with his old, weak, hematoxic poison. He had been sitting still for long enough, and it was time to do some light exercise with a bit of mortal combat. Chapter 69 Augur of Hope Jacob had had private tutors since he could barely walk, expensive private schools, and a support system made up of the best money could buy. He graduated top of his class, gotten into the best university, and once more proved himself excellent, remaining at the top. He had been in the papers, praised by everyone, but he had always tried not to let it get to his head. His father had been the treat-the-janitor-like-the-CEO type of person. His old man had even refused to hire him at his own company, telling him he had to go his own way. Connections had certainly helped to begin with, but as he made his way into the corporate world, he once more excelled. At first, perhaps he'd been chosen because he was his father's son, but now Jacob was selected because he was the best man for the job, a mark of honor for him. But this... This shitty place wasn't one where he excelled. This godforsaken shithole called the tutorial wasn't anything he had ever trained for or even dreamed of. And yet he had tried his best. He had tried to make sure they all survived and all returned home, but he had failed time and time again. His colleagues died one by one, and he was powerless to help them. His hands shivered whenever he held a sword, and his mind went blank when a beast came at him. He felt useless. Even where he was supposed to be skilled, he failed. He couldn't even help Jake, accidentally leading him into a trap and nearly getting him killed. His relationship with Caroline had soured after that. She had changed, perhaps in her own desperation. Jacob believed he could have still helped her, fixed their relationship, and gotten her back on the right path. Maybe it was a naive hope that Jacob wanted to at least try. Could. Because even that he had fucked up. Not even something as basic as not parting without regret was possible for him. He had ignored Caroline when she left with Richard to attack the remnants of Hayden's camp. His last words had been, Leave me alone, for fuck's sake. Yet he tried again. Even after being broken, again and again, he got up. The tutorial counter was clear. Everyone was dead. After seeing the number drop dramatically, the entire base had gathered. When the killing finally stopped, Jacob had done a head count, and found every single person still living present, besides two. Jacob had left together with Bertram to investigate what the hell had happened. What they found was pure mayhem. Corpses and shattered armor were strewn across a big area. They had called out for survivors, but silence had been their only answer. They hadn't had any healing potions or healers left, so even if they'd found someone, it was uncertain if they could have saved the person. They hadn't stayed for long, as Jacob had seen something that made him send Bertram back alone. Jacob stayed a while longer, contemplating what to do before he also returned, which led to the current situation. Jacob had done what he could to try and keep things running, but the situation was terrible. Everyone had lost friends or family in the battle, many even showing clear signs of having given up, but he managed to keep them going. 
The two enigmatic survivors were a great boon there. No one knew who they were, which meant they could be anyone. Just that small shred of hope kept many going, and Jacob himself hoped that it was enough to ride out the rest of the tutorial. By then, hopefully, they could reunite with the rest of the world. Jacob also hoped to return to the real world alive. He would fight, and he would survive. But Jacob knew who the two survivors were. He knew it was a false hope, but it was all he could offer them. On the battlefield he had sent Bertram back because he spotted someone. It looked like a burnt corpse, but Jacob felt like he saw faint movement. It was William. He was barely recognizable, but Jacob knew it was him. Jacob wasn't stupid, and quickly put together everything that had happened, especially when he saw Caroline's metalized corpse. William had killed them all. And there he was, unconscious and defenseless before him. With a starter sword at his waist, he could kill him. Perhaps he should kill him. Yet he turned and left. Even after everything he had done, Jacob didn't wish to see him dead. Not because Jacob necessarily believed that William could be saved or anything stupid like that. Jacob just didn't want to kill anyone. Sitting down in the middle of the battlefield, he stared up into the sky. He truly hated this place, yet he refused to let it break him. Everyone was losing hope by the day, but Jacob felt responsible for keeping it alive. Perhaps William would wake up before the tutorial was over. Now, he would most certainly wake up and come to kill them all. If that is fate, then let it be so. He had been stuck at level 24 for a long time in his class, a very long time compared to the others. The evolution prompt had never appeared for him like everyone else. Class evolution available. He didn't know why it came. Why now, of all times? He hadn't killed anything. He had just been sitting alone, staring into the artificial stars above. Letting the system humor him, he accepted the evolution. But compared to what he'd expected, he wasn't met with a selection of classes. Many had reported having at least two, with some just being a big shift from their original class. But Jacob only saw a single one. Augur of Hope. When all is lost, most fall to their knees in defeat, but you became the shepherd to lead the lost, a hero to many, mentor to most, a guide to all. The Augur of Hope is a support class focused entirely on guiding and leading others. Your creed is not to fight. Your fate is to have others realize their destiny. How that is done is up to you. Stat bonuses per level, plus eight wisdom, plus eight willpower, plus eight vitality, plus eight free points. He barely skimmed through the description before he just accepted it. The Holy Mother has invited you to her realm, except? Umbra has invited you to her realm, except? Rigoria the Maker has invited you to their realm, except? Yggdrasil has invited you to her realm, except? The Tao Father has invited you to his realm, except? Camacus has invited you to his realm, except? The Eternal Servant has invited you to his realm, except? Autinius has invited you to their realm, except? Atlas has invited you to his realm, except? The Seeker has invited you to their realm, except? Jacob instantly received what he could only classify as spam. Hundreds, now, now it was thousands, of invitations appeared before him. Every single invitation was not as simple as a simple message, however. All of them seemed to carry some kind of intent within a faint hint of what the ones inviting Jacob were all about. Once more, 
Jacob just took in the feeling of them, but he knew that he would pick the first one, an action which immediately made his vision turn black and his entire world shift. A blinding light appeared before him as he felt solid ground beneath his feet. With a start, he looked around and waited for his vision to slowly return to normal. He knew he had gotten many system messages before obtaining the class, but he didn't feel like now was the time or place to go through them. He stood within a great hall. Now, calling it great was an understatement. This place was beyond massive. He couldn't even see either end, only pillars shooting into the sky all around him, each larger than the most prominent building he had ever seen. There wasn't even a ceiling, but a layer of clouds which the pillars disappeared into. As he marveled at the sight, he suddenly heard a voice behind him. Quite beautiful, is it not? Turning around, he saw a, a woman, which was all his brain registered as he stood there, dumbstruck. He couldn't see her, per se, yet he knew that he stared at perfection. A feeling of reverence welled up in his chest that he didn't even feel the slightest desire to quench. After what felt like minutes, he barely managed to compose himself and stammer, Yeah, beautiful. The woman waved her hand, and a couch and table appeared before him. The table even had what seemed like newly brewed tea just sitting there in a cup, ready to drink. Take a seat, Jacob, she said, as she ushered him toward the couch. Jacob didn't even think. He just did what she said and sat stiffly down on the couch. The woman herself sat on a chair on the other side of the table as she picked up her cup of tea and started drinking. She was showing no intention of addressing him. What happened? Jacob finally asked, after taking a few more seconds to compose himself. I must thank you for accepting my invitation, she answered, adding, As for why I invited you, there were many reasons. Jacob's curiosity now exceeded his wariness. What reasons? And why does getting a class of grade lead to me being invited here? I didn't hear about this happening to the others. So many questions. The woman laughed, yet answered them nevertheless. You initially caught my eye due to your affiliation with the savant, which only got amplified with your connection to the viper's chosen. A hunter, it would seem. As for why you are here, far from everyone has anything special happened during a class evolution, so it is normal for others not to speak of it. But know that you are not the first of your tutorial to have an encounter like this. Another major reason I chose you is that you have what I am looking for in my followers, a worthy shepherd and one able to bring more light into the people's hearts. Your class now is perfect for just that. As you no doubt know, any god would gladly invite an orca into their fold. Jacob took a while to digest the information. Was he being recruited into a religion of some sort? Did he even have a choice? Was this entire thing happening a good or a bad thing? But more importantly, who or what is the hunter and the savant? The savant is of interest to a friend of old, and the hunter roused the viper, she answered calmly, as if she had all the time in the world. I can no longer see precisely who he is, no doubt due to the viper's interference, but he should be a friend of yours. Jake is the hunter, he thought instantly. This also confirmed that he was alive, though Jacob had kind of expected that to begin with. Jake had escaped, after all, and based on what he had seen, the guy could handle himself. But what was this about rousing the viper? Did he do something? Was this the reason he'd become so strong?
What do you mean when you say that he roused the viper? Jacob asked. The woman looked like she was reminiscing for a bit before she began. The malefic viper is who I speak of, an ancient being that he's been around since the dawn of the system itself. After a tragic event, he secluded himself from the rest of the multiverse for many eras, but after your world integration he has returned, and your friend is the one who made him leave that seclusion. Is it a good or a bad thing that this viper has returned? Jacob asked, a bit confused. Time will tell, she answered with a smile. I hope it would bring good with it. On a personal note, I am happy to see him no longer mope around in that empty realm of his. Jacob nodded along, as he quite honestly didn't get half of what was being said. This may be presumptuous of me to ask, but is me coming here a good or a bad thing? You seem to care a lot about good or bad, Jacob, she answered with a giggle. It all depends on what you do with being here. But if you had to put it in a box, I would call it a good thing. Okay, he said, his brain trying to comprehend the situation he found himself in. Yet he didn't question her judgment. He felt unable to question it. Why did you bring me here, then? I wish to offer you a gift, as well as a responsibility, the woman answered. The gift is my blessing, the responsibility to serve beneath me, to help spread my word to your universe. Jacob furrowed his brow at this. This did seem very much like some kind of religion. Jacob had never been the religious type, so he honestly wasn't sure how to feel about the offer. May I ask what spreading your word entails, and to whom exactly we pray, he asked, trying to learn what exactly he was getting himself into. On the other hand, the woman couldn't hold herself back from giggling once more, mesmerizing Jacob completely. He was very sure by now that her charm was in no way natural, but magic of some kind. The word is easy, to serve me and to serve the holy light. My teachings are of hope, justice and righteousness, of fairness and love for one another, of the punishment of the wicked and self-actualization to become the best one can be. Jacob came to a shocking realization, one that he quickly got confirmed. As to whom we pray, well, I don't personally pray to anyone, but my followers pray to me. Are you God? Jacob asked in disbelief. Was this God? A God, she corrected. Do not be so shocked. We aren't like the ones you had heard of before the system. We are very much tangible entities, and as you can see, one can even meet their God, though it is rare. If you wander far enough on your path, you too can step into Godhood, Jacob, even if the path is long. But if you follow me, I shall help set you upon this path though your success or failure will be entirely up to yourself, as well as fate. Jacob had to take a while once more to compose himself after the bombardment of information and shocking revelations. If you wish to join me, I will give you a blessing and send you back to the tutorial, she continued, before Jacob could formulate a response. Our time here is limited, after all. I can only hold you here for so long before the system drags you back. Wait, if you are a god... Why can't you stop the system? Jacob said, failing to hold back some of the many questions he was struggling with. And what is the system to begin with? What does it want? I am not all-powerful. No one is. As to what the system is, well, that requires an answer longer than we have time for. She said this patiently, despite the seeming lack of time. I understand that you struggle with the system as a concept, 
but from my experience it truly doesn't want anything. It is simply there. It is like asking what gravity wants, or why light won't stop being bright. If you truly wish to learn of the system, do so once you become powerful enough. Jacob nodded at the response, as it did kind of make sense. Enough sense for him to not want to think about it further, as that would just take him down another spiral of wandering thoughts. What does getting this blessing entail? he asked, getting back on track. One can only ever hold a single blessing bestowed upon them by a deity. As to what the blessing is, it depends on the god. But no matter what kind of blessing, it will open up paths, meaning more skills and evolution options. As to what I want, we can talk about that next time. As she said that, Jacob felt himself slowly start to fade away. So, what is your answer? Gritting his teeth, Jacob decided to take the chance. Perhaps he was just falling for the woman's unearthly charm, but he still decided to give it a shot. Yes. With that, she reached out her hand and slightly touched his still fading cheek. Goodbye, my child. May you fulfill your destined purpose. And with those words, Jacob felt his vision spin once more, then found himself back on the ground he had disappeared from. It felt like hours had passed, but it had likely not even been an hour. Jacob even briefly considered if it had all been a hallucination, until he checked his notifications. Greater blessing of the Holy Mother, blessing, greater, a worthy follower personally recognized by the Holy Mother. To become a speaker for the primordial herself is a great privilege given to few throughout the multiverse. Through the vestige of karma given to you, you have tapped into a bit of her holy power. Plus five percent intelligence, plus five percent willpower, grants access to many new paths. Only one blessing can be held at a time. This was the first one he'd seen, and he was taken aback. It even gave stat bonuses. Though his stats were still meager currently, he knew it had to be significant later on. The other effects, such as opening up new paths, had to be related to those evolutions and skills that she... No, the Holy Mother, his patron, spoke of. But this was only the beginning, as he had gotten quite the benefits. Still sitting only a few meters from the nearly dead savant William, he went through all that had changed him, knowledge entering his mind, even as he began going through all the notifications. Chapter 70 Excelling Jacob felt a bit of excitement for the first time in quite a while reading his notifications. He had barely opened any of the system menus for weeks, and when he did, he only did so to either check the tutorial panel or his stamina. But now things had changed, as he had perhaps finally found a path for himself in this new world. With the blessing, a title apparently also came, the only other title Jacob had besides the one they'd all started with. He had honestly kind of forgotten the existence of titles before that moment. Holder of a Primordial's Greater Blessing Obtain the greater blessing of a primordial. In the vast multiverse, many gods exist, many pantheons rule, but the primordials are few. To be blessed by a primordial personally is a rarity, so bear it with pride. Grants the skill, Lighthouse of the Holy Mother, epic. Plus five all stats, plus five percent to wisdom, willpower, and vitality. Another massive gain and another stat-increasing effect. They were even the same stats Jacob got a lot of from his class. As for the skill it granted, he wasn't too sure. Lighthouse of the Holy Mother, Epic. 
a beacon amidst a sea of confusion, a light for all to follow in order to find a safe shore once more, allows you to take in emotions from those around you more easily, understanding their most profound inner desires, passively makes you appear more trustworthy to those who have faith in you. The effect of Lighthouse of the Holy Mother is based on wisdom and willpower. It sounded downright creepy, the perfect superweapon of any stalker, but from the perspective of leader it was invaluable. Morale and happy employees were the cornerstone of a highly efficient company, especially one focused on knowledge rather than physical labor. Being able to convince others easier was also very helpful. It just rubbed Jacob the wrong way to imagine him quite literally mind-manipulating others into it. At least the skill appeared only to reinforce the trust others already had in him. After the meeting, he had naturally also gotten the level, as well as a whole bunch of lost skills. Ding! Class Augur of Hope has reached level 25, stat points allocated, plus 8 free points. Skill lost, strike, common. Skill lost, basic one-handed weapon, inferior. Skill lost, basic two-handed weapon, inferior. Skill lost, basic sword and shield, inferior. Skill lost, basic throwing weapons, inferior. Skill lost, balanced approach, common. Skill lost, basic blocking, inferior. He had lost all of his skills but two. One was amplify voice, which did exactly what it sounded like. The other one was motivating presence, his only uncommon skill before the events that had just transpired. It was a skill that reduced stamina expenditure for all allies around him. But, of course, he had also gained several skills. Four, to be exact, the first being a mana affinity skill, something he had heard about before. Skill gained, light magic affinity, uncommon. The element of light is an affinity of two faces. The light can shine upon allies, bringing them comfort and strength, but also burn your enemies, along with a myriad of mystical techniques. Allows the user to turn their mana into the light affinity. May you walk where darkness never reaches. This skill was relatively simple, except for the fact that it was uncommon rarity. Jacob had heard that most affinity skills were of inferior rarity, meaning Jacob had skipped a tier when getting it. When he tapped into his mind, he could vaguely feel small wisps of knowledge on how to use the light element. However, as he had no idea how to use mana and had no skills to use the affinity with, it didn't do much currently. At most, he could make himself glow. The next skill was also a bit weird, but had a fascinating effect. Skill gained, Shepherd of the Lost, Epic. The shepherd who leads the lost is the one who forges the path of all those he guides, allows the user to more easily influence the records and thus future paths of others, enables your teaching to grant a very minor amount of class and profession experience, effect based on wisdom and willpower. He had no clue what all that influencing record stuff was about. No, what he cared about was the second-to-last part. Grant experience. He could help others gain levels without having to go through the horrors of fighting. The next skill was equally as cryptic in many ways. Skill gained, divination of the augur, epic. Fate is ever-changing, but some can begin to understand the flow. Allows the augur of hope to peer into the rivers of fate and destiny to interpret the omens found within. The time between each available divination is based on the willpower and wisdom of the augur. Was this skill some kind of fortune-telling? Prediction of the future? He had a feeling it was far more complicated than that. And the knowledge that came with the skill didn't help him much either. It just allowed him to know how to start divining, 
and he knew that it was a rather lengthy process. The final skill was just downright weird and nondescriptive. Skill gained, one more light, legendary. When the lights flicker, your will remains. In the sky of a million stars, when one's time runs out, one more light remains. The auger of hope cares when the light goes out, even when a moment is all that we are. So his light shall remain lit to further guide the lost and the fallen, the lights that have flickered out. Hope is not so easily slain. It was a legendary skill, a tear Jacob had never even heard of before. He remembered Richard boasting about getting an epic skill, making others green with envy. But now he had obtained a legendary skill, one he couldn't even understand himself. The description was just so unbelievably vague. Whenever one gained a skill, one would generally get the basic knowledge of how to use it, too. It was like that with all his other skills. But with this, he came up blank. It seemed to do nothing, and he had no idea how to activate it. Was the skill passive, maybe? But if so, what were its effects? Jacob had no answer to that question. Even if he couldn't figure it out, he had a feeling he would know what it was for in time. He felt like he had been reborn, like he had finally found a purpose, a path forward. One could live with the system without fighting. He could become someone leading people, just like he had before. He could guide and help others. Perhaps he had finally found a new area where he could excel once more. Another person who excelled elsewhere was a man repeatedly stabbing a massive beast in the side as it tried to wrestle him off. But the man didn't let up. He kept holding on as his hands, grasping the beast, gave off a faint green glow. The beast was already wounded all over, with arrows sticking out of it everywhere and a huge hole that had left one of its claws hanging limp. The blood was oozing out of every wound, and the sword was most certainly not helping with the situation. Finally, the beast stopped moving, and its attacker received a notification. You have slain Alpha Venom Fang Badger, level 77. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level. 114,000 TP earned. Ding! Class Ambitious Hunter has reached level 44. Stat points allocated, plus 4 free points. Ding! Race Human, E, has reached level 46. Stat points allocated, plus 5 free points. Jake let go as he fell backward, a smile hanging on his lips, not caring at all about the blood he had landed in. More than half a day had been spent in this cavern since he entered. All five alphas were finally dead, with only the den mother remaining. He had gone for the cycle of preparing for battle, fighting a big-ass badger, doing alchemy, and meditating before rinsing and repeating. The common rarity hemotoxic poison was still underway, but he was getting close. Really close. He had even managed to get another level under his belt with all the alchemy done. In total, he had gotten four levels in his class, nearly getting one per alpha. The second to last was the only one that hadn't awarded one. He didn't know if it was natural to get that many levels, or if it was his mark of the ambitious hunter showing its worth. And oh, that mark was great. Before, he'd sometimes had issues when he ran away if the beast briefly exited his sphere, but now he could feel where it was anyway, showing great synergy with his bloodline. The increased damage was also more than noticeable. It didn't make his blade cut more or his arrows dig deeper as he had expected. Instead, the effect was more peculiar. Whenever he hit a beast, dealing damage to it, 
what felt like a wave or maybe a small wisp of energy drifted out and consumed just a bit of health from the target. It was subtle, but noticeable over a long fight. And to make it all better, it even worked with his poisons. He could clearly see it being amplified, just straight up allowing the toxins to drain more life force than before. He had yet to try it properly with a potent dose of necrotic poison, but he could imagine the effects being very noteworthy. In other words, the skill dealt damage directly to health points. The badger he had killed most easily was the second to last, coincidentally also the only one that hadn't awarded him a level. His infused power shot had made all the fights a lot easier, allowing him to land an excellent blow to begin the battle with. He had managed to hit it from the side and penetrate through the ear canal and into the beast's brain. The damage released from the mark was insane, looking like a wave of energy washing over the creature. Applying the mark to a target was also easier than he had feared. The skill said it covertly applied it, and luckily that had turned out to be very much true. None of the badgers had shown the slightest reaction when he used the skill on them, merely continuing their daily lives of loafing about. In the entire dungeon, only two living beings remained, the den mother and himself. He didn't know if he could defeat the beast. He had a feeling he maybe could, even without making the new poison, but he had already made the plan, so he decided to just stick with it. Besides, he needed another period of restoration. He had rushed the fight with the final badger quite a bit, not bothering to fully reconjure all his arrows, which was why he'd had to face it in melee for a bit, an endeavor that had only ruined his clothing again, again. It had to be said that Jake looked like the poorest homeless person around. The other survivors had banded together, meaning they had tailors in their midst. Jake, on the other hand, had to make do with his own measly skills. His cloak could be restored, but under that cloak... Yeah, his chest was bare and had been so for the last many days. He had many clothes from the challenge dungeon, but had decided to stop wasting the shirts by now. Nearly all of them had been ripped apart, and as they were just regular clothes, he had no way to fix them. He still wore pants, but even they were tattered and full of holes. He only switched them out when it was absolutely necessary, and even now they were more shorts than pants. And speaking of his chest, he had to admit that he looked good. Jake had always had a rather lithe figure, having to spend a lot of time in shape for his archery. The habits of regular exercise and healthy eating had luckily stuck with him after the accident that stopped his pursuit of going pro. His current body had gone through changes since entering the tutorial. All the belly fat was gone, his muscles light and flexible. The evolutions had even resulted in his height increasing by a few centimeters. He had been of a rather average size before, while now he could be considered a bit above average. His face had remained the same. His brown hair had perhaps grown a little, but it was hard to tell. The glint in his eyes was a bit sharper than before, and perhaps his features had become rougher on average. But it was hard to tell if it was due to the system or all the hardships he had gone through. Of course, his journey wasn't over yet. There was, for example, a giant badger to kill. He decided to retreat to the cave entrance just in case the den mother unexpectedly made a move. He doubted it would, but better safe than sorry. Taking out his ingredients, he got concocting. Purified water, infused blood, aged poisonous moss, bloodborne stalk juices, and a shitload of mana later, he was good to go. His progress had been slow and steady over the last day. 
He had concocted many common rarity necrotic poisons before, and was no longer a rookie in the craft. In fact, he would say making that poison was easier than the inferior rarity stamina potion. The only part that still vexed him was the merging process of the two opposing elements for the hematoxin. They rejected each other, but he had started to find ways to slowly make them meld into one another and not explosively clash, spraying the concoction all over, after having it explode in his face far too many times, that is. Which was also the reason why he wasn't wearing his cloak at the moment. His skin had better resistance to poison than his clothing, after all. The beginning part of the process went as expected. The water, moss, and blood mixed well together, and soon the first part was finished. Adding the stalk juices, however, Jake had started switching up the approach. Instead of adding it all at once, he would slowly drip it into the mix. As the first drop hit, it started sizzling. Jake wasted no time forcing it to merge with the rest of the mix. It struggled at first, but gradually it started getting integrated. The concoction's nature began slowly changing as it was affected by the energy within the stalk. One could compare it to the effect of a vaccine. Of course, the body would naturally reject what was injected into the body, attempting to crush it and push it out. If one increased the vaccine dose significantly, all one would achieve was making the person sick. But with a small dosage, the body could get used to it, just like he was doing now. The rest of the brew could slowly absorb a small amount of the blood-borne juices and, with Jake's careful guidance, not cause any adverse effects. This allowed Jake to soon put another drop into the mix, and then another, and then another. Soon, more than half of the required liquid was in the mix, and it still remained stable. The last few drops didn't even show any unstable reactions, but merely integrated on their own. With a bit of courage, he decided to put in the rest of the liquid all at once. The poison's purpose was ultimately for the blood-thorn stalk juice's hemotoxic properties to overpower the concoction and make it take on its effect. A bit of instability was, in other words, required for it to succeed. Something that, to Jake's great relief, finally succeeded when he saw the mixture turn entirely red, as well as the system notifications appearing. You have successfully crafted hemotoxic poison, common. A new kind of creation has been made. Bonus experience earned. Ding! Profession prodigious alchemist of the malefic viper has reached level 49. Stat points allocated, plus 5 free points. Chapter 71 Dream Smiling in satisfaction, Jake got out two empty bottles. Usually a batch such as this would quickly fill four or five bottles, but the first creation's output wasn't exactly good. He had taken a long time doing the crafting and had thus evaporated a lot of the concoction. But it was kind of expected, so Jake didn't think that much of it. It was a success, and that was the most crucial part. Bottling it up, he identified the poison. Hematoxic poison, common, greatly increases bleeding on afflicted entities and makes any injuries harder to heal. The poison must be introduced directly into the bloodstream to have any effect. It was literally the same description of the inferior rarity version, save for it adding greatly at the beginning. But Jake could feel that it was quite a lot more powerful. The energy it gave off was palpable, as one should expect after spending more than 2,500 mana during the concoction. Not because the crafting process required that much typically, but because, once more, Jake had done it super slowly and inefficiently. 
something that would surely improve as he got more practice. By now his armor that could be restored by enchantments had been repaired. His mana was low and his stamina also wasn't full. He had even lost a few health points due to the toxic fumes released during the crafting process, a hazard of the trade. Cleaning everything up, he gave one look at the den mother. It still sat unmoving. Soon, he thought, while smiling to himself. Entering meditation, time passed as he slowly restored his resources. During meditation, all senses except for touch were cut off completely. He could still feel his inner self and the energy moving within his body, but nothing outside of it. With his normal senses, that is. His sphere of perception was unaffected, as always, and he had made it a habit to try and train it during meditation. In the beginning, he'd only seen material things through it, but after the first evolution at level ten, he had started to also faintly feel the mana in the air. It was only a slight nudge in the wind. When Jake focused, it was as if he could see a faint mist covering everything. As he practiced using his mana, and as his alchemy improved with his mana control, so did his ability to sense it. At all times, he could feel it around him. He could pull on it and attempt to bend it. He had tried a myriad of things, but so far, the only one he had ever really succeeded in was to weave his strings. It was one of the first ever accomplishments he'd had with mana, and it had stayed that way. But his limitation was that these strings had to be attached to his body, something that shouldn't be necessary, in theory. So he spent his meditation trying to do just that, manipulate mana without touching it directly. His largest obstacle was to have the mana not simply scatter. If he made a string connected to his body, the moment he made it dislodge from himself, it would just get swept up. It was like it had no substance, so it just integrated back into the atmospheric mana. As he meditated, the hours ticked by, and soon he started to feel a different kind of tired. His stamina was restoring, but he still felt more and more tired. No, exhausted had to be the word. An exhaustion one feels after being up for far too long, and the body finally putting its foot down. Thinking about it, he had been awake for a long time. He didn't need as much sleep as before, that much was obvious. But didn't he need any sleep? Meditation and stamina potions had kept him going for a long time, likely too long. The problem was, though, he didn't want to sleep. Doing alchemy, practicing mana control, fighting, all of these were something to do. These things kept Jake's mind active, occupied. It kept stray thoughts and worries away. But if he slept, the floodgates would open. The last time he'd slept, he'd dreamt. Dreams that, to him, were nightmares. He'd seen his family, his friends, the ones in his life he cared about. The dreams only served as reminders of what he may have lost and what he didn't even know if he still had. Importantly, upon entering the tutorial, Jake's lowest stat had been willpower. He had never been the strong-willed type. He was the type to focus on one thing and then become utterly devastated for a long time if it didn't work out. When he'd had his accident that stopped him from doing archery, he'd been depressed for a long time. He'd never picked up any new hobbies, but just wallowed in despair. It was only because he was set on the path of going to university by his parents that he'd recovered. He'd had a new goal, but he still never got seriously into any new hobbies again. The same had happened with his first relationship. After that, he had never dared to pursue a new one. 
The experience had scarred him, and he'd hidden away from it, and now he was doing the exact same thing. He knew something bad had happened outside of the inner area, but he didn't want to go check. He didn't want to confront whatever it was. He preferred just to hide away and do his own thing. Fighting to the death was simple. He knew how to do it because the result of the fight relied on him in the end. But if his family still lived, if his friends were in the only now dozens of people outside who still lived, he didn't know. It was not up to him. He wanted to avoid anything outside of his one-track mind, to put it in other words. He had learned throughout his life to do that wonderfully so, to focus excessively on one goal at a time and complete his set goal with excellent efficiency. It was why he'd been so good at his job and archery to begin with. Now, however, the distraction of sleep was upon him. He had managed to avoid dreams during the challenge dungeon somehow. He had slept then, but he had managed to dream of alchemy, to dream of his task, something he feared he wouldn't this time. Retreating even further, Jake entered into the tunnel connecting the two caves. Fighting the beast was foolish in his current state. He felt sluggish, slow. He had to sleep, despite his desire not to do so. Summoning the bed, he just threw himself on his stomach as his eyelids got heavier. The moment his body hit the sheets, his eyes closed, and the embrace of sleep enveloped him. As his mind started resting, so did the chains he had shackled down his thoughts with, and once more memories spiraled forth from his subconscious, a dream that instantly felt wrong. The dream this time was a memory, one that was depicting the darkest period of Jake's life. He was living with a roommate while he went to university. They'd been friends from before and had signed up for university at the same time. To save money, they had decided to get a place together and share the rent. It was only a small flat, but it was their flat. Everything was honestly fantastic. Despite a few hurdles at the beginning about who did the dishes, and finally deciding to just get a dishwasher, their relationship only grew closer. Jake trusted his roommate with everything and believed that his friend trusted him back. At the time, Jake had even managed to land a girlfriend. She was in the same facility, and they meshed well together. Neither of them was the overly social type, so they found happiness by meeting up and watching a movie, enjoying their solitude together. Jake had two people he had let come close at university, Andrew, or just Andy, and Madeline. He'd been together with her for a little over two years, and things were also going great there. To sum it up, he had a close friend, a girlfriend, and things were just great. At least Jake interpreted it that way because he didn't want to deal with it being otherwise. It all went wrong on one fateful day. Jake had been visiting his parents for the holidays and planned to stay with them for a few more days between Christmas and New Year, but his mom convinced him to go back and spend some of the break together with his peers. Her thoughts had come from the right place, but the result was disastrous. Jake had thought his roommate was out. He had said that he would be at his parents until the next day. His girlfriend had said the same. That day he got off the train and took a bus to their flat. He stopped by a small convenience store on the way to get some milk and other essentials. He wanted to have it stocked up for when Andy returned, to be a good roommate. With two bags he waddled up the stairs like a duck. He wore a big, goofy smile on his face as he had bought things to surprise the two people he cared the most about from his university life. His plans for a nice dinner the next day were set, and he was excited. 
Putting one bag down as he reached the door, he took out his key and unlocked it. It was evening by now, and the sun was already down. He had expected the apartment to be dark, but found the light was already turned on at the entrance. Weird, he thought, as he entered. Annie must have forgotten to turn it off when he left. But that thought was soon expelled when he heard some muffled sounds. Someone was there after all. Had Andy also come back early? He didn't think much of it as he went and put the groceries away. He was halfway to the fridge when he noticed something off out of the corner of his eye. A blouse was on the couch, the one he had given Madeline for her birthday last spring. Not the best gift, but hey, she always complained about being cold. This should probably have made him suspicious that something was wrong, but he once more chose not to think about it too much as he finished emptying the bags. She must have come by or something after he left and accidentally forgotten it. After that, he went to take off his shoes to not dirty the place more than necessary. As he went to take them off, he noticed two pairs already there. Andy's and Madeline's. What? A feeling started building in his stomach. A bad one. His mind was telling him shit was wrong. Very wrong. But he kept pressing it down, kept making excuses. There had to be a logical explanation. Yeah, they had just both come back earlier than expected and decided to hang out a bit. Totally normal. Jake, however, still couldn't kill the feeling. Looking at the door to Andy's room, he decided not to postpone. The muffled sound continued as he slowly got closer. Putting his ear to the door, he was dreading what he would hear. Luckily, what he heard was not what he had feared. A movie. He admonished himself for his stupidity and paranoia with a sigh of relief as he no longer hesitated and opened the door with a smile. A smile that quickly faded. Two people were lying huddled together on the bed. One black-haired man with a beard and a red-haired woman, both but naked, and both turning their heads to Jake as he stood there looking like an idiot in the doorway. Thoughts spun through his head as he observed them. No one spoke as the silence was finally broken by Jake turning around and closing the door again. He put his coat and shoes on once more and left the apartment without a word. He got on the bus again and back on the train. The entire journey, his face didn't change. The thoughts kept spinning. How could he have been so stupid? Ignored all the signs for so long. He would be lying to himself if he said he hadn't held any suspicions before. But he had trusted them. Arriving at his hometown, he got off the train and back on another bus. His phone had several missed calls from both Madeline and Andy, but he ignored all of them. When he made it to his parents' place, his mother was, of course, surprised to see him after only a few hours. She didn't even get to ask anything before Jake broke down crying on the kitchen floor. He missed the first month of that semester. When he returned, he already had a new place. His dad had arranged movers to do everything for him. He acted as if nothing happened, ignoring both Madeline and Andrew. Before the breakup, Jake had been a middling student. Afterward, he soared to the top of nearly all his courses. Jake ignored anything and everything as he dove into his studies. He thought nothing of friends or love. That part of him was cut off from that point on, and it would take many years before a faint spark would re-emerge. Or that was what had happened. But dreams had a way of not being entirely accurate. 
Jake found himself back at the moment when he had just discovered the two of them together. As Jake closed the bedroom door in the dream, he went to get on his shoes and coat as he had back then. But instead of a jacket and shoes, he took his gear, boots, cloak, bracers, rings, and necklace, along with his daggers, sword, and, of course, his trusty bow. He left the apartment as usual, but this time he found Andy in the hallway. Just going to leave like that? he asked. He was still naked, as if he had just teleported here from the bed. Yet on his face hung a smile Jake couldn't recognize. It felt... wrong. Yeah, Jake answered, as he tried to walk past him, his face blank. Like you left Jacob and the others? Andy asked. Yep. Like you left the entire fucking world behind to go play Hunter? Exactly, Jake answered, as he turned back to regard Andy. By now he was entirely lucid, the illusion of the dream broken. He was still dreaming, but he was aware, and he could feel it. The throbbing of his heart as the blood ran through his system, his bloodline and instinct both flaring up, his sphere observing everything. He felt the intent of the Andy before him, manipulation, something he would have fallen for so many times before when he disregarded his instincts. Not that it matters, Jacob will betray you like everyone else, the fake person before him said, still smiling creepily. I'll wait. He already has, hasn't he? Jake shook his head. He felt what the being before him wanted him to do, and it pissed him off. He felt the thought of killing Jacob appear for a split second, but the way it occurred was too unnatural. Whatever the thing in front of him had tried clearly hadn't worked, but he didn't let it show. Why he wanted him to go back for Jacob wasn't relevant, because this stupidity unfolding before him only made him reaffirm what he wanted. Power. A being like the malefic viper could disappear for countless years, yet none would dare touch the core of his order. Not because of respect, decency, or morals, but because of fear. A fear that the backlash would be far more than they could ever handle. A fear that untold power would descend upon them a power that Jake desired more than anything. He was no longer the man who would break down on his mother's kitchen floor at a betrayal. He was the man who would make the situation right. If he'd had the power he held now back then, what would he have done? Spread tales of their affair to ruin their reputations? Get them expelled somehow? Tattled to their parents? Beat one or both of them up, or worse, kill them? He didn't know, and quite frankly it didn't matter. What mattered was that he could. He had the power to do so, or he would have the power to do so. Besides, if he'd had that power, would they have even dared to betray him? The next moment, Jake disappeared from within the dream. From beginning to end, he had never shown the slightest reaction to anything that was said. With a sigh, Andy looked away as the entire apartment side of the apartment complex turned to dust. I am surprised you didn't interfere, he spoke out loud. Well, why would I? A voice echoed out within the dreamscape. I'm pretty sure you just made him mad. Two green eyes opened in the sky of the dream as everything started slowly disintegrating. Oh, Ben, the voice echoed out as killing intent descended on the entire dreamscape. Don't ever pull that shit again. With that, the entire dream turned to nothing, leaving only the fake Andy in the void, 
his eternal smile still on his lips, as a spark of interest entered his eyes. Truly, Victuia, he spoke, before his karmic projection disappeared. Chapter 72 Den Mother Jake's eyes snapped open as the remnants of the dream left him, but unlike normal dreams, he could remember every single detail vividly. Jumping out of bed, he threw it back into his necklace along with everything else. Right now, Jake was in a really shitty mood. It was angry, and sadly for the den mother, it had been chosen as his outlet. Jake was tired of feeling like he was stuck in some big game, tired of not knowing why the hell people kept messing with him. Even now, he didn't know exactly why Richard had wanted him dead, or why that red-robed spearman had believed he had murdered his son. No, instead he would just do what he did best, challenge and improve himself. Taking out one bottle of hemotoxic poison, he recklessly splashed it over a bundle of arrows in his hand. He summoned his bow as he walked toward the beast. Applying the mark of the ambitious hunter was done as he lifted his bow, knocked the arrow, and charged an infused power shot. He didn't aim for the head of the beast, as it would likely miss. Charging it as much as he could without affecting his combat effectiveness afterward, he released the string. The arrow was released in an explosion of mana and stamina, and Jake didn't even wait for it to hit before knocking another. He was angry, but also oddly focused. Perhaps he felt offended by his own thoughts, by his own perception of the weakness that he carried within. He was angry at himself for believing that he was weak, that the only reason why people wanted to manipulate him was because of his own weakness, and the best way to kill that feeling of weakness was to prove that he was strong. At least Jake believed it to be so. On the other end of the cavern, the den mother woke up abruptly when the infused power shot was released. It instinctively tried to dodge, but was still hit in one of its hind legs, a minor injury, but more than enough for the poison to enter its system. The follow-up also arrived far earlier than the beast had expected. Five arrows struck it simultaneously, penetrating only a bit, but penetrating nevertheless. The creature was surprised, but not distraught, as it located its attacker. With no hesitation, it charged toward the arrogant human who had dared to attack it. It had been the den mother of this group of badgers for such a long time, and now some lone human dared intrude upon its lair, one that felt far weaker than itself even. It felt the poison, it knew something was wrong, but it didn't have the mental faculties to comprehend what exactly it was. All it knew was that it had to kill the human in front of it as fast as possible. The first swipe was dodged by the pesky human as Jake's shadow vaulted to the side, still releasing arrows whenever possible. The den mother had predicted this as it turned its head and opened its mouth. Out came a torrent of green gas that eroded the very ground it hit. It enveloped the human, which the den mother gleefully believed to be the death of its prey. Instead, it was met by another infused power shot that tore right through its shoulder and out the other side. With the shot, the usual explosion of mana occurred as it blew away all the gas. Surprised, the giant badger locked eyes with the human and felt something it hadn't in a long time. The feeling it had had when it looked at its den mother back in the day. The feeling it had felt when the king of the forest had confined it to this cavern. Fear. It had misjudged. What was in front of it was not prey, it was a predator, just like itself. 
Screeching in fear, it hoped to throw Jake off balance temporarily. The sonic wave passed over him, but he just closed his eyes and stood unmoving, firing yet another splitting arrow. He felt his ears pop, then the blood flowing down the side of his face and his neck. He felt the pain, but he didn't care. He didn't need his hearing right now anyway, and the pain was easily suppressed by the pure feeling of ecstasy he currently felt. The Den Mother was far more powerful than the Alphas in every way. It was faster and stronger, its hide was tougher, making his arrows do far less damage, and it had far more skills than what seemed like a higher level of intellect. But in this fight, Jake had something he had been lacking in many of the others. Unwavering confidence. Confidence and momentum. For the first time, Jake was the one entirely in the driver's seat, and the beast felt this confidence as it showed signs of hesitation in its movements and attacks. It had fallen into the mentality of prey, a dangerous situation if it wished to display all of its strength. But even with all that going for him, it was still the den mother. The beast sped up as it leaped at Jake, forcing him to shadow vault once more. Even in his arrogance, he wasn't stupid enough to take a swipe of the beast's massive claws head on. However, he quickly returned the favor with another barrage of arrows. The den mother's wounds were slowly building up, as its once beautiful fur now carried a red sheen. Something unexpected happened then. The badger retreated, a first for Jake. It ran back to where he had initially pulled it from as it made another screech. This one was not a sonic attack, but something entirely different. A mating call. After it screeched, the ground rumbled as three explosions of dirt fell down from the ceiling, along with three massive bodies. Three alphas came down around the den mother, guarding her. The den mother itself started giving off a faint green sheen as Jake felt the effect of his poisons lessen with his sense of the malefic viper. Along with it, the wounds on its body started wriggling far faster than before, rapidly healing. Second phase, Jake thought, not discouraged at all. Luckily, Jake still had another bottle of the hematoxin poison left. He quickly brought it out, along with a handful of arrows, and doused them. He still couldn't see the level of the alphas, but he could feel that all of them were weaker than any of the others he had faced so far, the ones too weak to gain the favor of the den mother. A favor the alphas all seemed in a rush to earn as they charged toward Jake. They took a few seconds, allowing Jake to fire a fully powered infused power shot, the badger in the front didn't have any possibility of changing directions, as its speed was too high, resulting in it getting hit square in the face and blasted backward as the arrow exploded. Jake had taken out one of the old, common rarity arrows, going for the kinetic energy of that instead of a normal arrow's penetrative force. He knew he couldn't kill it with a single shot, but he could sure as hell make it roll around on the ground in pain for a bit. The arrow had disintegrated when it hit the beast, the shards of wood and metal all embedding themselves in its face, and quite a few even finding their way into its eyes. One could only imagine the pain as the blinded beast rolled out on the ground, trying to scrape the pieces out, which left only two alphas for now. Jake managed to land a hematoxin-poisoned arrow on one of them before they reached him, but didn't have time to shoot the other. He hated to do it, but he was forced to return to kiting once more. He landed a few arrows, but quickly noticed something vital. The two badgers' teamwork was lackluster, to say the least. Whenever he shadow-vaulted, the beasts both struggled to chase him individually, bumping into each other. 
With a flash of inspiration, he realized that the beasts weren't allies to begin with. They were competitors. Both wanted to earn the favor of the den mother, and the best way to do so would be to kill the puny human that had wounded her. So both cared more about being the one to land the killing blow than actually managing to kill him, a weakness he would gladly take advantage of. Switching up his tactics, he dismissed his bow as he took out his sword and dagger. While the beasts were stronger than him physically, the gap had only narrowed since he had entered the dungeon. His mark of the ambitious hunter was also still on the den mother. He decided to let it be to help keep an eye on the large badger. Besides, it was even damaging her little by little, as with every drop of blood that left her body, a pulse of energy that damaged her vital energy directly was released. Sadly, he could only have one active at a time. Charging toward the badgers startled them slightly, as they also accidentally made eye contact with him. They, like the den mother, felt a sense of danger from the gaze of the human. Their slight hesitation was enough for Jake to make his way to one of them with a shadow vault, then stab an arrow in between its ribs. Only one of the beasts had been poisoned before, after all, and it was only fair to share the love. The beast, of course, didn't take kindly to his attack, as it snapped its maw of sharp teeth at him. He was, however, already long gone as he jumped behind it. In one fluid moment, mid-dodge, he briefly let go of the dagger and produced a bottle of necrotic poison. Catching the dagger once more, he smashed the bottle, making liquid death splatter all over both weapons. Simultaneously, the other badger tried to get to him, but its comrade was in the way, so all it managed to do was to try and go around it awkwardly. Jake started circling the badgers as he landed minor cuts here and there. He made sure always to stay extremely close to them, making their big bodies a detriment. The necrotic poison seeped into their flesh. They got angrier and angrier, becoming more aggressive and less considerate of each other. The situation only got more interesting as the third alpha charged over. It could only use one eye, and from the looks of it, it was the one most pissed off. Contrary to what one would believe, Jake actually only found that the fight got easier as another one joined. Like completely feral animals, they tried to crawl over one another and push the others out of the way to get to him. Inadvertently, they also landed several wounds on each other, Jake, of course, gladly accommodating their carelessness. He honestly believed fighting one of the beasts would be more challenging than three due to their reckless style. He had also managed to poison the third one as he kept building up the wounds on their bodies. Naturally, he couldn't avoid feeling a bit of pain himself, too. He had taken quite a few scratches here and there. Luckily, none of them used that skill to release their spikes of poison. Then again, it would likely help him if one of them did, as they would only hurt their allies. Briefly glancing at the den mother, he saw that it was getting closer and closer to being fully healed once more. The hemotoxin in its body had indeed shown its worth by slowing down the healing process significantly. A minute or so later, the first of the alphas fell on the ground, mark of the ambitious hunter being applied seconds before it died. Jake didn't want to miss out on that bonus experience, after all. Two minutes after that, the second succumbed to blood loss, leaving only a single badly wounded alpha standing. It was too slow and weak by now to pose any real threat, as Jake simply left it to bleed out and turned his attention back on the den mother. Taking out a health potion, he quickly downed it, since its health was starting to dip relatively low. The fight had gone in his favor, but his victory had not come cheap. 
His entire chest and arms were marred with scratches and bites, with a lot of venom making its way into his system, too. While he could resist most of it, it still burned away quite a bit of his health to fully eliminate. Feeling the warm flow of the health potion, his wound started rapidly healing. All the minor scratches disappeared in only a few seconds, but the more extensive injuries remained, including a nasty bite on one of his shoulders. Taking out his bow once more, he focused on the den mother. The beast had its eyes closed as it seemed to focus intensely on healing itself. The skill it used seemed similar to meditate as it hadn't shown the slightest reaction to the elf as dying, albeit far more powerful as it also regenerated health. Smiling, Jake prepared to give it quite the rude awakening. He usually aimed for the middle of the body when using infused power shot to ensure a hit. The arrow flew in a straight line after all, and even if it was unbelievably fast, one shouldn't underestimate the instincts of these badgers. But now it was utterly unmoving and unaware. It had made the mistake of trusting the Alphas to buy enough time for it to heal. However, the hematoxin in its system and the many wounds had made this healing process take far longer than expected. As Jake prepared his shot, he got the notification that the last Alpha had bled out. With that, he switched the mark back to the den mother. Knocking an arrow with a good dose of some more hematoxin poison, he started to channel an infused power shot. He took his time with this one, bringing the equilibrium right to the limit where either his body or bow would break if he went above it. He aimed right for the eye of the beast. He didn't know if he could penetrate all the way through its skull, but he knew that the eyes of these beasts were incredibly weak. Then again, few living things could claim for their eyes not to be a weak point. As he released his most powerful arrow yet, it encountered a barrier surrounding the den mother. It exploded the moment the arrow hit, making the attack miss, but it also removed any obstacles between him and the dungeon boss. He began charging another shot, the den mother still not reacting. This one, he saw, flew true as it struck the den mother right in the eye. It managed only to shudder as the arrow went right through and into its skull. A shriek like never before came out, and it started thrashing about as a purple mist secreted from its skin. Its glossy hide turned completely purple like the mist, and the hair grew sharper and started firing in all directions just like the alphas had done. But Jake was already more than a hundred meters away, and the spikes were not aimed at all. The mist was also too far away to have any effect. So Jake just started shooting his arrows. He used splitting shot with every single one of them, just piling up the damage. His stamina was draining rapidly, so he kept the number of splits low to preserve it. He wanted to shoot another infused power shot, but he already felt sore from the ones used before. This situation showed one of the significant weaknesses of most living beings. While health points would prevent one from dying even if the brain was utterly destroyed, the functions the brain held would still be significantly disturbed. Like when a chicken had its head cut off and still managed to run, so would one lose control of their body. Skill still worked, however, independently of the brain, for the most part. Of course, the senses no longer functioned properly, making the badger both blind and deaf, which meant that all it could do was thrash about as its body spasmed. In desperation, it released all of its skills, all to no avail. It couldn't feel the pain, but it knew its health was rapidly draining as the arrows struck it one by one. It tried to crawl away, but its limbs didn't listen. 
its high vitality only served to prolong its suffering as it powerlessly grew weaker and weaker. If it had enough time, it could regenerate the brain, but sadly, it would never get the opportunity. Vital organs took far longer to heal than anything else. Completely destroyed parts as well as lost limbs did too. The beast had far more vitality than Jake, so it could likely heal its brain enough to regain close to standard functionality with only a few minutes. One had to say that the last phase of the fight was rather anticlimactic. The badger still had many more skills and strengths left to show, but never got the chance. It slowly died, unable to even fight back. Perhaps it was just a bad matchup for it. Jake had misunderstood its ability as it healed. Unlike meditation, it still retained some standard functions. It could still feel living beings and any manner that entered within fifty or so meters of it. Sadly for it, Jake's arrow didn't give off anywhere near enough mana to wake it up, and he, of course, hadn't needed to walk closer to it. With an ending not befitting a den mother, the very last vestige of life left it. Chapter 73 First Quest and Venom Fang As the den mother died, Jake felt like he had finally gotten out many of his frustrations. However, the feeling of relief was short-lived, as his entire body started aching only mere moments later. He had pushed himself to the limit, perhaps even above limits he didn't know he had. His stamina was nearly depleted after only one fight. His mana had also taken quite the hit, since he had used more than a few infused power shots. This fight was likely the first time Jake had ever fully realized his body's potential. Experiencing a doubling in physical stats in only a few days had done much to increase his combat strength. And the results spoke for themselves. Jake had won a convincing victory with the odds more than stacked against him. Deciding to go through his notifications, he first saw that the three alphas had all been below level 70, which meant they were indeed all weaker than any of the other alphas he had met so far. Nevertheless, the three had still awarded a level as the last one fell, making him level up both his class and race during the fight. Apparently, he had been too focused to even notice. But he did notice the level he got when the Den Mother died. And speaking of the Den Mother... You have slain Den Mother, level 82. Bonus experience earned for killing an enemy above your level. 124,000 TP earned. Ding! Class Ambitious Hunter has reached level 46. Stat points allocated, plus four free points. The Den Mother had been level 82, and not just an average level 82, but clearly a potent variant. Only from what he had seen, the beast could wipe out any group of five he had met so far, and by a large margin. The first blast of poisonous gas alone would likely have killed most. Without Jake's high resistance from Pallet of the Malefic Viper, he would probably have suffered a lot too, and even with the skill he had still taken damage. Overall, the Den Mother had been strong. Strong, but exceptionally poorly matched up against Jake. He'd countered most of what it did. He did wonder a bit about its name, though. How had it come to be called Den Mother? He doubted it was the name of its race, as he was pretty sure many animals out there in the vast multiverse had what one could call a Den Mother. Likely it was just something to do with the dungeon, but of course he had no way to be sure. Moving down the list of notifications, he saw it was far from done. The next ones informed Jake of him successfully clearing the dungeon. Congratulations, you have cleared Tutorial Dungeon, Badger's Den. 
Objective, defeat the den mother, completed. Bonus reward for clearing the dungeon solo. Dungeon shutting down in 57 minutes, 29 seconds. It was a bit happy to see that clearing the dungeon solo provided a bonus. He didn't see any treasure chests anywhere, but perhaps they were in the tunnel behind where the den mother had died. A pleasant, though not unexpected, surprise was also the upgrade of two of his titles, meaning they weren't new titles, but changes to his existing ones. Dungeoneer 2. Successfully clear a dungeon suitable for your level, plus two all stats. Dungeon Pioneer 2. Be the first to clear a dungeon suitable for your level, plus six all stats. Both had doubled in value, rewarding him with an increase of four points in all stats from the upgraded titles. It didn't seem like much, but it was equivalent to two entire race levels, or 36 stat points total. Not a measly sum at all. It did make him wonder how high the titles went, though. He seriously doubted they doubled every time, as that would quickly escalate to the level of ridiculousness. Or maybe the most powerful being in the entire multiverse was indeed the mighty Dungeon Pioneer 25, with his or her plus 50,331,648 to all stats. All jokes aside, even if the title only added plus three to all stats per level, it was still a very significant bonus. Jake believed that there had to be a limit, and if not, was everyone in the entire multiverse just farming dungeons all day, every day, to get titles? Oh well, something to ask the Viper about next time, he thought to himself. Anyway, the titles were excellent and all, but the main thing was the very last message Jake received, or more accurately, the quest he received. You have been granted the tutorial quest, The Beast Lords, the forest murmurs with rumors of a king ruling from the shadows. The four beast lords each guard their dungeon as their king commanded, waiting for a suitable challenger to appear. With the death of his lords, the king is sure to be forced into the light. But be warned, the lords will not meet their end that easily. Objective, defeat the beast lords. Current progress, one of four. The first thing was, of course, a realization that quests existed. Of course they do. The system had already proven itself to love a whole slew of game elements, so quests also being a thing was entirely unsurprising. As for the contents of the quest, that too was very interesting. Jake remembered the initial tutorial message from when they'd entered, mentioning something about the Beast Lords or whatever. Quite honestly, he hadn't paid much attention to it at the time. He'd been a bit busy with his entire life and reality itself being flipped upside down. You know, the usual stuff. Of course, before he could meet this fabled king, he would have to kill the four lords. Eerie fantasy-esque. It didn't take him long to piece things together. The inner area had five mountains, with four of them surrounding one colossal mountain in the middle. The dungeon he was in currently had been found at the top of the first one, making it somewhat reasonable to expect the other dungeons to be placed inside the other mountains. But all of that was for when he got out of here. For now, he still had loot to get to the first piece perhaps being right in front of him on the badger itself. His sense of the malefic viper kept giving off a strong reaction even after the den mother died. Whenever the badgers, including the alphas, died, the poison on their claws and fangs lost all their effect. Without the supply of energy from the body, the venom couldn't keep up its toxicity. But the feeling still had yet to subside from the den mother, making it quite apparent that something highly toxic was still within it. He didn't really want to, but he got out his sword and went toward the corpse of the beast. 
it felt disrespectful to cut it up. But then again, using the natural materials found on an animal was often seen as a sign of respect in many cultures. Yeah, that is a good excuse, he thought to himself. Cutting the hide was far easier now that the beast was dead. It was still strong, but far more manageable. He cut toward the source of the toxin, finally managing to move the innards out of the way and see what it was. It was a small, bag-like thing. It was integrated into the beast's stomach area by many small tendrils going into the flesh. He didn't hesitate as he cut it out, making sure to not spill anything of what was within. Feeling like a plastic bag filled with water, it made squelching sounds as he took it out. It was disgusting, to say the least. It took him a good twenty minutes to get it out, as he had to walk away several times to get a breath. Not because he lacked air, he just lacked not horrendously smelling air. One had to remember that the den mother was several times larger than himself, forcing him to quite literally step into the body of the beast to get it out. Finally, having the squishy flesh bag on the ground, he used identify on it. Den mother's poison gland, rare, a gland containing a highly concentrated toxic liquid condensed by the den mother over a long period. At least it was worth it, Jake thought to himself, as he smiled a bit. One part of the smile was due to the item, and another was due to him seeing a new challenge before him, a rare poison to create something new with, perhaps his first real creation above common rarity. Taking out a piece of cloth from his bag, he bundled up the gland and put it in his necklace. The thing was big, weighing a few kilograms easily, which meant that it likely contained liters of highly toxic liquid. Oh, the things he would make with it! Nodding toward the corpse of the den mother one last time in acknowledgment, he went toward the exit of the cavern, where he, of course, found himself in another tunnel, because why wouldn't there be another tunnel? Luckily, this one was short, as he soon found that the tunnel broadened. Before Jake even turned the corner, he already saw the two black holes in his sphere of perception, lock boxes. He walked over to them with a smile, a bit giddy to see what would be rewarded. One of the boxes was small and rectangular, while the other was slightly bigger but relatively flat. What mattered more, however, was the rarity. The rectangular one was rare, and the other one uncommon. Jake wasn't overly excited or surprised by this, perhaps a little disappointed even. After clearing the challenge dungeon, he had gotten an epic along with a rare item. Then again, this dungeon had been far faster and in many ways easier. Not saving the best for last, he first opened the rare box. Inside was a small weapon. At first he thought it was a spike or something, but looking closer one could see it was actually a carved tooth or a fang, to be more accurate. It had a simple-looking handle and a slightly curved blade, and, from its looks, seemed more suitable for stabbing than cutting. Using Identify, he got a good look at its specs. Venom Fang, rare. The fang of the Den Mother still carries substantial remnants of its condensed records, granting this weapon strength akin to when the beast still lived. The fang itself has taken shape resembling a shiv, fit to be wielded by the humanoid races. Enchantments, Venom Fang. Requirements? Level 45 plus in any humanoid race. The whole thing was relatively simple. The dagger only seemed to have one single function, poisoning. It seriously made him think precisely how much the system tailored these lockboxes to the receivers. He needed a second weapon to go with his sword, and the system gave him one. 
It was even made of bone, making his Twin Fang style work. Heck, his skill was called Twin Fang, and he had just gotten a goddamn fang. With it even being enchanted with venom also made it all the more suspicious, though Jake had yet to find out if the poison even worked with his concocted ones, and more importantly, if his skills had synergy with the enchantment. Either way, the weapon was a great addition to his repertoire, which led him to the next lockbox. Opening it up, he found a black cloth of some kind. Taking it out, he noticed that it was pants that were very smooth, almost silk-like, but looking closer, he could see that it was actually woven out of a multitude of small pieces of hair, or fur, to be more accurate. On the inside, the pants had something resembling leather. It, too, had little padding, making the pants look incredibly comfortable. Identifying the pants, it quickly became apparent what it was made of. Alpha Venom Fang Badger Pants, uncommon. Pants made from the hide of an Alpha Venom Fang Badger. The hide is refined and comfortable, granting high resistance to slashing and corrosive attacks. Enchantments, self-repair, plus 25 endurance, plus 25 agility. Grants the ability, Badger Jump, common. Requirements, level 40 plus in any humanoid race. Another Badger-themed piece of equipment. Not entirely unsurprising, considering the entire dungeon had consisted solely of badgers. The stats on them were higher than anything else Jake had encountered so far in this tutorial, but then again, so was the level requirement. And talking of the levels, it was also slightly suspicious that all the items he found he could use right away, or he was extremely close to being able to. One would think that a dungeon with a level 80-plus final boss would drop items better than level 40. Again, it was likely that the loot was designed for whoever cleared the dungeon. Interestingly, these pants also provided an ability. This was Jake's first time encountering such a phenomenon, and it was quite interesting to see how it worked. As for the ability itself, well, it was rather basic, to say the least. Badger Jump, common. Make a jump empowered with the power of a badger. Increases jump height and speed. Adds a minor increase to the effect of badger jump based on agility. Having no reason to delay, he bound the pants to himself and put them on. The first thing he noticed was how comfortable they were. This was also the first piece of gear where he truly experienced the system's ability to fit it to his body. The waist shrank in to sit perfectly on him, while the legs got slightly less baggy after putting them on and binding them to him. The pants in their entirety took on a sleeker look. He didn't know if it was somehow linked to the self-repair enchantment, or if it was just something the system did by itself. His boots had also fit perfectly the first time he put them on, but that could just be chalked up to luck, as he hadn't noticed them changing in any way. The pants, however, had clearly gotten smaller overall. He also tried to use the skill. When he used it, it simply increased his leg strength slightly while jumping. He found that it worked best when jumping sideways compared to up and down, and even better if he did a jump from being down on all fours, though he didn't plan on using that part very often, if at all. Eventually, he found it most comfortable to just slightly lean in a direction and then take off. The more horizontal his body was, the more effective the skill was. Perhaps to emulate a badger, as they were usually on all fours. Feeling a bit experimental, he tried taking off the pants again and found his ability to use badger jump gone. He could remember how he did it, but it just didn't work whenever he attempted to. The stats did remain, though, so that was a bit weird, and after putting the pants back on, the skill worked just like before. 
A bit sad that farming equipment wasn't a way to permanently gain a plethora of new skills, he made his way toward the dungeon's exit. Finally, after all this time, he looked a bit less like a hobo, or maybe just a hobo with nice pants. Either way, he felt pretty good about his gains from the dungeon as he walked out the eerie-looking doorway that marked the dungeon's exit, his next target already in mind.